another episode of the Conversation of Our Generation. My name is Nick Jamel, and today we got a good show in store talking about how to not jump the gun and jump to conclusions when we really shouldn't be. We don't have all the facts or whatever it is, or maybe we don't have, you know, the ability to make the judgment call that people made because, you know, they're just at a higher level than we are in the, you know, in the order of things, in the way that, you know, the world is, the, the world and the, uh, I guess what Jordan Peterson would call the hierarchy is structured. We're just not at, you know, we're not in the place to call them out. And I'd like to talk about that because there's a few things that have just been on my mind recently, locally, as well as just nationally and internationally that I think people on both sides just are saying the wrong thing and they're saying it from the opposite way and neither of them is getting at the truth. And so I'd like to advocate for a little bit of patience and a little bit of understanding and looking at people with it and their decisions with a little bit of charity as well. And so before I get too far into it, I'd like to remind you that you can find me on conversationforgeneration.com or if you're already there, you can go over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Find it there just by searching Conversation of Our Generation. And you can also find me on social media at facebook.com slash conversation of our generation or Twitter at con of our gen. And so with that, let's go ahead and hop into uh, the quote of the week. And this week's is from George Patton. And it's a pretty simple one, pretty short. Yeah, I guess, you know, that's what you get from a military guy. Uh, Take calculated risks. This is quite, or that is quite different from being rash. And, you know, I think that this also comes into play when you're talking about, you know, criticisms or putting out your ideas. You know, you don't want to put out an idea in a rash way. You want to understand it and say, okay, maybe this is a bit of a risk, but I at least know what risk I'm taking. You know, you're not, it's how to hold my beer while I go say this real fast kind of thing. It's, you know, something that you've thought through, something that you understand and you know what you believe and maybe you're wrong, but you're willing to take that step forward and take that risk. And I think that that's the same in, you know, in the military as it is in, you know, your personal life, because in reality, I mean, there's not much of a difference in the way that you, you, you analyze and, uh, take risks. And the other thing is there's not a big difference in the way that you're rash. The only difference is generally your costs of, uh, being rash are a lot higher when you're in a military setting than when you're, you know, talking about speaking out against somebody or whatever it is. And so I think that it's a good way to start off and just a good reminder for us to, as we're going through this, to give people the charitable read on what they're doing and to not be uh, necessarily jumping to those conclusions and being rash. And so I'd like to talk about a few places where people are often very rash in the way that they look at things and the way that they analyze the situation and maybe how we can correct that slash maybe go in a different direction. And so let's get to it. So the first person here that I have is uh, Pope Francis. And I think that for a long time, I probably fell into the camp of people who were critical of him. 
And recently I've, I would say that I've learned a lot more of what he actually said, not what the media reported he said. And I've come around a lot more and been a lot more patient with, you know, the fallout. I think that there's times where in a digital world, you know, he's not necessarily always writing and communicating in the same way that a Pope has for hundreds of years. You know, he's not writing Humanae Vitae. I mean, he is still doing communications like that, but, you know, he's still writing encyclicals and so on. But the problem is, in a digital world, when you're, you know, kind of giving out sound bites, you know, you can kind of pull these and take them out of context and just make them sound like he said something that he didn't say, you know. There's a lot of people who act like he's pro-gay, that, you know, that he's, um, you know, for, like, an indifferentism that doesn't matter what faith you are, and I don't, and I think that I bought into that for a while, and after seeing what he said, I would say that that's not necessarily what, um, you know, the words that he said didn't really translate that way, you know, that that's not really what he meant, that that's kind of how the media was able to cut and spin and show, this is what he said, he, the Pope says, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Catholic or not, or the Pope says, it's fine to be gay, or, you know, which, I guess it is technically fine to be gay, but he never said that it's fine to engage in, you know, homosexual behaviors, and, you know, because that's really the cutoff line, it's like, it's okay to have an anger management problem, but it's not okay to punch your wife, like, you know, it's okay to have, you know, struggles, yes, but it's not okay to act on, you know, the brokenness that's in you, and so, that's one place where I think the, you know, the left side kind of hears that and think, or the, not left, but the, kind of the liberal Catholics hear that and they get frustrated, or sorry, the conservative Catholics hear what comes out and gets frustrated because they want, you know, the Catholic teaching to be upheld, you know, so on, but then there's also people who are on the other side that, you know, as soon as he says something about, like, hard line on, I can't even think of an example right now, then they get all up in arms about the fact that he's too conservative, and really this Pope has just been kind of run through the, you know, the gauntlet on media coverage, because I think that both conservative and liberal Catholics just can't stand a lot of what he does, because he gets taken out of context, and he gets his words manipulated on a constant basis as well, and so I think that it's you know, it's tough. I mean, it's not fair the kind of coverage that he gets, if you ask me. And I think that that's a common thing. And the reason why I kind of bring up the Pope is I see this also locally. For us right now, we have scandals going on in our diocese somewhat that a lot of teachers who are, uh, hom uh, that are homosexual, but, um, are engaged in a so-called, you know, same-sex marriage, they have been, there's been a few that have been fired and the archbishop has kind of threatened to take away two Catholic schools and Catholic names because they're not part of the diocese. So they can't just automatically, they kind of are Catholic by the grace of the diocese. And so they've both fired their uh, gay teachers who are involved in a homosexual or so-called same-sex marriage. And, you know, a lot of people are up in arms. I think people, most people I see are very mad that, you know, 
the schools did this. They're very mad that the bishop is telling the schools to do this. And, you know, I understand where he's coming from. And I'm, my only thing is in seeing the results of the action, I don't know if it was the most prudent way to go about this. <laughs> and, you know, I, for, I, for one, I'm not opposed to Catholic teaching being upheld in the schools. And I just, I would like to learn more from what the bishop has in mind and why he's doing what he's doing, you know, from his own mouth, just to see what's going on, what's going through his head, because it just doesn't seem like it's been the best decision, but we'll, we'll have to see what happens because the fact of the matter is, you know, I don't have control over this situation and he really is a, you know, I mean, a solid man of God. He has been serving his church for years and years. And so we'll let, we'll see how it goes. But the problem is both people are, you know, I mean, there's probably people out there who are mad that he's not getting rid of the, you know, the people who are divorced and remarried and the people who are having sex before marriage too. There's people probably still mad that he hasn't gone that far yet in our diocese even. And, you know, I just think that it'd be a lot easier if we went back to priests, monks, and nuns teaching. <laughs> that way you don't have to worry about all this. Um, at least the monks and, or the brothers and the nuns and the, you know, all that. Because, you know, those people were the solid people to actually teach Catholic schools. And, you know, that it wasn't until they stopped teaching the Catholic schools that things got a little bit hairy in both our catechesis and in our, uh, and in our overall teaching, I think, too, somewhat. Not that lay teachers are bad. My mom's a lay teacher at a Catholic school. But I think that there's definitely been um, something lost with not having them there in Catholic schools, you know, because I think Catholic schools have become super secular in a lot of ways ever since they've lost the obvious religious ties. And so I think that there's room for us to just have a charitable attitude towards the people who are making these tough decisions, who are going out and speaking on behalf of, you know, a million people in their diocese or however many it is. It's probably more for our archdiocese here in Indianapolis. It's obviously more for the Pope. You know, it's billions of people. And so, you know, you can't really please everyone with your wording all the time, especially in the soundbite world, and especially in a world where the media takes things and runs with them, you know, uncharitably out of context and sometimes even just outright lying about it. And so I think it's important that we think about that and remember that as we criticize people, especially at, you know, some of these high levels of, you know, the religious authorities, because you're probably not getting all the facts. You're probably not getting all the insights that they know. And that leads me into um, President Trump, who obviously is criticized on both the left and the right for sometimes the same things, sometimes very different things. And, you know, the right hates his tariffs, the left hates his immigration policy, and they just, like, both berate him. And meanwhile, I mean, life's been pretty good overall for the last few years, you know, and it's been getting better overall for the last few years, I think, for most people in America. So there is a little bit of, I think, breaking, there's a little bit breaking through where people are realizing, you know, all this hullabaloo, this hubbub about 
how bad President Trump was going to be just, you know, isn't true. And I, not both the David Frenches of the world and the, you know, I mean, the far lefts of the world, the Antifas and all these people haven't panned out to be correct in a lot of ways. As far as, you know, hell on earth coming when, you know, he's president. And so I think that we need to, again, have a little bit of charity. Now, there's plenty you can criticize Trump on. He's not the Pope. <laughs> and even the Pope, there's things that he can be criticized for, I'm sure, that there's been, you know, he's inherited a mess as far as I'm concerned with what the state of the Catholic Church in a lot of ways. And President Trump, likewise, inherited a mess. I mean, there's a lot of times where he just kind of shoots at the cuff, too. So it's tough at that point to get a read on where he is or where he's going. And so there's plenty of things, I guess, that I could say that you can criticize Trump on. But the fact of the matter is, this rash judgment on everything he does is the end of the world is absurd and it's overplayed and it's quite frankly annoying at this point that every decision he makes is the end of the world and I see it, you know, from the libertarians who are afraid that terrorists were going to end the world, <laughs> you know, your classical liberal libertarian types who are like, we can't have any diplomacy or talk to anyone else. I'm like, well, this is still a real world. As far as I'm concerned on tariffs, I agree. They only hurt the people in that country who are buying the goods that are made out of those things, you know, it only makes car prices go up for you and me. It doesn't hurt China really in a lot, in a lot of ways, but it does in some ways to, you know, tariff some of the things that China needs, especially when they have a seriously stratified, uh, society. And then, and it's important to realize that the way that tariffs work too, <clears throat> is different when you're a large country. If Denmark tariffed us, we wouldn't even know, <laughs> you know, because their economy is so small. But when the largest economy in the world tariffs you, it actually does make an impact on your economy. And so it is, uh, there is a lot to it, really. And you can't go back and sanction someone who's a trade partner either, because that only hurts, that would only hurt the value of the dollar, that only backfire more and more to, you know, sanction China and do other things like that. The tariffs, you know, were probably the only avenue for China to try to reprimand them. It worked on Mexico really well because our economies are so off balance that our tariffs on them really hurt them and they knew that they were going to. <laughs> you know, their tariffs on us really are probably an annoyance more than anything and the fact that Trump's going after them is just because, you know, we agreed to a free trade situation and yet here we are with them sending you know sending goods over with big tariffs and so on and not allowing for not helping us with stopping people who are supposedly seeking asylum from crossing you know three different borders to get here <laughs> instead of just you know stopping at the first place that they come that they come to where they're safe supposedly from this political uh, adversity that they're running from and now some of them probably are. Some of them are probably lying about that because they want the economic freedom of, you know, America. So, and the fact of the matter is, based on our system, I don't blame the people for doing it the way they are. Because our system's set up to incentivize people to come over here and lie about asylum seeking in order to get into the country. And 
you know, so I kind of diverted my attention there for a moment, but I do think that we have to look at a lot of the things that President Trump says and be able to criticize, you know, and say, you know, everything that he tweets is not necessarily the best thing in the world. And, you know, most of his tweets probably shouldn't be there. And, and yet a lot of times when he talks, you know, when he gives a good speech, there's a lot of times where people jump on him and just say, oh, this is terrible. But he's done a lot to be a good speaker and to be a good unifier in his, you know, uh, State of the Unions and some of his other, like, more scripted speeches. He's done a very good job at that. And people still find a way to jump on him from both sides. And I think it's a little ridiculous in a lot of ways, honestly. And, you know, and as far as his policy goes, I mean, I talked about tariffs. I think the next thing that's kind of popping up in Trump's, uh, Trump's world that he's getting criticized probably from both sides on is, you know, this skirmish with Iran and the way that he's handling it right now, I think is probably as well as you can, (laughs) because he was obviously very critical of Bush for jumping the gun and, you know, and the entire intelligence, intelligence community admitting finally that now that they got the weapons of mass destruction thing wrong. Okay. But you know, the whole intelligence community did believe that at the time. And that was knowledge so whatever but he was very critical of that and now you have Iran taking credit for you know hitting a Japanese sub for shooting an American uh, unmanned unmanned drone out of the sky and what I think the issue is is you know he's kind of taking his time on this you know this he's not saying okay get the guns ready, we're marching, and he's not saying, I will never, ever, ever go to war. And people were like, well, then what are you going to do? Well, he's obviously, you know, leaving the throne on the table without, you know, drawing a bunch of red lines that he's never going to cross, you know, when or that as soon as they're crossed, he's never going to do anything about. And because it makes you look weak to back down from a promise, but it makes you really in the strong position when you have, you know, the American military behind you to make sure that your enemies don't really know what's coming. <laughs> so I think that what he's done is actually pretty good. And also there was something that came out recently. Uh, he tweeted something along the lines of the, f- they were talking about what to do in retaliation to the predator, uh, dr- or the, the drone being shut, shot down. And, he said, you know, well, what actions we do you suggest? They gave him one and he said, well, how many, you know, how many people would die in this? And they said 150. And he's like, well, that's not proportional, <laughs> which I'm like, <laughs> I was listening to Catholic Answers and they brought this up. Like he's invoking St. Saint Augustine in this, you know, St. Some of the finest thinkers in the history of the world, you know, talking about the idea that war, when you're provoked, you should retaliate proportionally right? You're able to defend yourself proportionally. This is the same in, you know, self-defense common law. Like, you know, if someone yells at you and threatens you, you don't get to shoot them. Someone pulls a gun on you, you can shoot them. (laughs) Someone has a knife and it, you know, it's a, that's an act of lethal force. You, you know, you could probably get it. You could probably use a gun to defend yourself, but if they don't have any weapon at all, you should be, and you have a gun, you should be walking away. 
you know, you should be trying to retreat from that situation as safely as you can. And, you know, the way that Trump talks about this, I think that that's a good thing that he's thinking about it that way, that he's looking for a proportional response. And honestly, I'm amazed (laughs) for someone who kind of, you know, well, can sound off a lot and, you know, go a lot of different ways on the same issue even. I think that it's good that he's somehow landed on, I think, a very uh, prudent way to look at war in general. I think he honestly is not opposed to getting into a war that you have to get into, but I do think that he's not looking for war, that he's trying to avoid it as much as he can. And I appreciate that from both sides. And that kind of takes me into the the next thing here, too. I talked a little bit about the weapons of mass destruction, but I do think we, when it comes to war cries, we have this issue as well, that where people kind of jump the gun, they make the rash decision, and, you know, whatever we do is wrong, you know. And I have a lot of sympathy for, you know, presidents that I agree with and disagree with when it comes to foreign policy, because there's so many pieces working together and that you, and there's so many pieces behind the scenes that we don't see that sometimes they don't even see that make it really hard to understand what to do in a certain situation. And so I think we could do a lot to uh, alleviate that stress by just waiting and seeing sometimes, you know, it's, it's not like that every, you know, time someone pinches you, you got to kick them in the head. Like I feel like we've done in the past under Obama, under Bush, you know, under Clinton, it was like someone would kind of snipe up at us and we just, you know, kick the shit out of somebody. (laughs) And, and that's not necessarily, I mean, just think if, just think if you saw a 20 year old guy sitting there and a five year old came up and punched him in the leg and he just knocked him out. I mean, that's what we do a lot. And that's, not necessarily the proportional response. <laughs> and so th- I think that it's important for us to have a, you know, to show a little prudence in the way that we approach military actions and approach our uh, and approach our military in general because we do have a powerful weapon there. And it's important that when we do use it, we use it correctly. I mean, they the Bible says the meek will inherit the earth. What that means is those who know how to wield their swords but keep it sheathed will inherit the earth. You know, it's the person who is ready to fight when necessary but knows when to fight. And I think that with what I've seen in the 20th century, we do not know when to fight. We know how to fight very well, but we do not know when to fight. And it's been a troublesome thing for our country. I mean, it's, I think it's been one of the biggest divides that's come through our country is the many wars that we've been in. I mean, we are probably one of the most warring countries (laughs) around today. I mean, we're worse than probably any other country around today currently in war, as far as how many wars we've been in, you know, obviously England and Britain have long histories of that, but I mean, Recently, they've pretty much had the world wars, 
you know, and defend, and that's really obviously provoked, you know, France was invaded, you know, England was invaded, you know, bombed, I guess it wasn't fully invaded, but it was being attacked, and so I, I think that at that point, that's different, and so, and we stepped in and helped, and I don't think that those were necessarily bad interventions, I don't know, but I think that this rash decision to either say, hurrah, 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 let's go to war, or I would never, ever, ever go to war, basically means that we paint ourselves into this corner where we can't make the prudent decisions on a day-to-day basis, you know? If you look at <clears throat> Obama, for instance, his red line that he put in Syria, everyone knew that if it wouldn't matter because he's already pulled out Iraq, he allowed, you know, he's, everything that he did showed that he will not go to war. Everything that he did, he showed his hand. And so the Middle Eastern, you know, jerks, I don't know what to call them, just the terrible leaders of a lot of those countries are, were running amok under him because they could, because they could get away with it. And then he'd go and do something stupid, like, you know, off Gaddafi, <laughs> out of nowhere. I mean, it was just an offhanded, hacked together, crappy policy. And it was all rash and just like, you know, like I feel like that was like a temper tantrum that, you know, caused him to overthrow Gaddafi. <laughs> really. It was just like a, everyone's being mean to me for being too soft on these people. So I'm going to go, you know, mess up Libya. <laughs> and so, and I think that Bush kind of had a similar thing going on. I think that obviously, you know, after 9-11, it required some sort of a response, but it, I think that our response was not ra- not rational. It was very rash. It was, you know, we found the weapons of mass destruction potentially, and we had this pretense to go in as well to Iraq, and we spread ourselves all over the place, and it didn't make any sense. I mean, you know, you could have just, I mean, you can't really go through Afghanistan and, you know, help anything because it's, I mean, Afghanistan's Afghanistan. You just can't really fight in that territory. And when the terrorists retreat back there, then, you know, all of a sudden you're just kind of SOL. But the problem and the problem that I have as well is we are just so, we get tunnel vision in a lot of ways we get this, it's like when you get that idea in your head and you're like, this is all I want for dinner and I really don't want anything else. Nothing else sounds good. And people suggest stuff, you know, you'd be like, I want this, I want McDonald's for dinner. And that's, and people will be like, well, what about Ruth Chris? I'll buy it for you. And you're like, no, I want McDonald's for dinner. <laughs> and you're just like, I have this idea in head in my head and that's what I'm going to have. And I think that that's kind of what we do when it comes to our foreign policy. A lot of times is we just go like, Yep, we're going to war, and so how do we go to war? We gotta go to war, and or we're not going to war. How do we, you know, what else can we do to appease these people so we don't have to go to war? Can we send them pallets of cash so we don't have to go to war? And and neither of those is a good solution. I think where President Trump has been good is he doesn't show his cards, and or like you know he'll put a put his finger over the 
you know, the line on the ace and make it look like a four and kind of let you see that. And you're like, oh, that's all right. I can beat that. And then all of a sudden it's like lays his hand down and he's got aces. And you're like, oh, man, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's he's been really solid on it. I, I'll give him kudos. I think that he's been a little nutty and crazy and unpredictable. Sure. But I think that, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why Kim Jong-un hasn't been invaded and I'll tell you why it's because he's a little nutty and crazy and unpredictable and he says things and does things that make no sense and seems like an irrational actor but i'll tell you what he's 100 rational he knows exactly what he's doing to keep the other more powerful countries at bay so that he can continue to run his evil little regime and now i don't think that that's president trump's goal is to run some evil little regime but i do think it is to I think his goal is to get people to not come after the United States so that we don't have to go to war. You know, it's like, I guess it's like the big guy that's in the bar and, you know, some drunk guy comes up and thinks he can take him, you know, like me, like my size kind of guy, you know, 5'9", you know, 145, 150 pounds. And and he's walking up to like the Rock Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. He's like, yeah, I, I can take you, blah, 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 and talking smack and then, you know, those guys could, you know, catch an assault and battery charge for knocking someone out who hasn't swung at them. Or they could be like, buddy, go away. Trust me. You don't want this. I will kill you. I will break your neck. And then that person's like, uh, and like do something to show them. You know, like you, you smash something or break something and they're like, oh, that could be my arm instead of, you know, that chair that he just literally broke over his knees. I'm going to go do something else now. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what I think Trump's done is like, he's just breaking a chair over his knees and showing people like we can mess you up. And if you make us, we will mess you up, but I don't want to mess you up because wars are expensive <laughs> and, and they're bad for the economy. And we have a great economy and that's pretty much his mentality. I, I guarantee you. I, I can I could be wrong. It, maybe it's a little less uh, succinct than that, and maybe it's a little bit crazier than that. But you know, I, it seems to be his policy in general. Uh, and then the last thing that I want to talk about too is one that's a little bit more closer to home because we've been talking about you know the Pope, you know my archdiocese, others, you know the. Uh, President Trump's policy and wars, but I think that we also are very quick to judge our neighbors and to make rash judgments on our neighbors. And I think this is one where we can start here with, because I think I talked about in past episodes that it's really easy to have empathy among the people that you see day to day, face to face, and so on. And I think it'd be good to practice this empathy muscle or this, you know, charitable muscle of, you know, giving people the time, having, being patient with before you judge and try to, you know, just see what these people are like before, you know, you make, you come to a judgment. And I think that by practicing on people that you see face to face, it's a lot easier because they're not, you know, a picture in your, you know, in your Twitter feed. They're not a soundbite on Fox News or CNN, they're a real person standing in front of you. And I think that by 
finding a way to be patient and not as judgmental is good. And I mean, I know that, and I've talked about this all day or all this podcast, and I'm not sitting here saying that I don't rush to judgment. I surely do. I do with people around me. I do with, you know, news stories. You know, it's easy to see something that confirms a bias and jump on it. I get that. I think that I've been burned enough that I realize that that's not a good uh, tactic. And every now and then I still fall into it. I, I do. But, you know, I think that, you know, I, I guess I think that my first reaction when I see something that's like super confirmation bias is to be like, is this real? <laughs> you know, did this really happen the way it said that it's happened? And is this a reliable source, etc.? Because if it is, well, then now you can take that piece of information into account. But if it's not, then it's important to, you know, not incorporate that into the way you view the world. And it's the same with people around us. You know, you hear stories about people, well, and you hear rumors and so on. Well, just go talk to them. Have a conversation with people that, you know, you may not think you like or whatever, because you might find out that you like them. You might find out that they're actually a good person. You never know. I mean, I can think of multiple friends of mine that when it when we started out knowing each other, I didn't like the person. And, you know, the more you get to know someone, sometimes the better, uh, you, you know, the better both of you become at giving each other a charitable read. The other thing is, there's a pretty good likelihood that this person disagrees with you on some major things. And by offering that charity and not maligning their attentions or whatever it is, you can create a society, at least lay a brick in the foundation of a society that is more actually tolerant of other people that, you know, you can have a Democrat and a Republican, a Catholic and a Protestant, you know, all these opposites sitting together and saying, you know, we're still an American, we're still, you know, we're both a person, you know, we both have dignity, and while we disagree on very major things, we can still be at least civil, and in a society like this, that's what we need, because we are a free and open society, and that's great, but I think we need a bit of civility in that as well, you have to, you're free to hate everyone around you, this is America, (laughs) but that's not a prudent thing to do, and that's not a good thing to do if you are looking to engage with others and to find ways to work alongside others or to make any positive impact in your community or your country. You know, hating everyone around you or being suspicious or judging people rashly, those aren't good things to have, you know, on your heart as well as out in your community. So by, I think, giving people that, you don't like or that even that you do like that say something and you're like oh my gosh this person you know whatever it is when you have that with someone that you know that you will see face to face give them you know that bit of charity that bit of you know they probably are in a bad mood you know they maybe didn't mean everything they said maybe they spoke a little rashly and you know that's not what they really mean or what they really think they're just venting and they did it on Facebook instead of you know out loud to themselves whatever it is you know because I do that too like a lot of my rashness comes out like just being angry to you know like and 
talking about what I think to my fiance, that's generally, or my parents or someone that I know is like, I just go off and I'm just like, this is so stupid and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden now I can like think about it rationally or rationally. (laughs) Um, and that, you know, that kind of impulse to do that is gone. And so I do recommend that having someone to vent to, or you can do those like that cliche thing of like writing an angry letter and not sending it. Sure. I wouldn't write an angry tweet and not send it because you know, you can accidentally send those and stuff still. And once it is, it's out there to like 150, 200, 300,000 people, whatever it is. Uh, so don't do that necessarily. Um, but I will say that I think that it's good to give people the best read that you can and to, and then if it comes out that you do need to condemn someone for their actions or rebuke them, do it fine. But at least sit back don't make the rash judgment and be open to the possibility that your initial inclination was wrong. And I think if we can do that, I think we'll take a step in the right direction of building a better country and a better society for ourselves and for our, you know, our posterity. So hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation of Our Generation. If you did, like I said, you can go to conversationofourgeneration.com. Find me there. You can go to the contact page and send me stuff if you have ideas or thoughts or whatever, you know, want to be a guest. Sure, fine. I'd love to talk to people as well. You can also go to iTunes, search Conversation Our Generation, subscribe, give me a good five-star rating, good review. Those things really help at bumping up the podcast. And you can also go to facebook.com slash Conversation Our Generation or Twitter at Con of Our Gen to let me hear your thoughts and to, you know, get your two cents in on what you think about this topic because I'd like to hear what you have to say. So please feel free to put your uh, thoughts out there and join the conversation of our generation and let's get the dialogue going. Thanks and I'll talk to you next week.